Welcome to the Supper Podcast, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists, and hospitality professionals in the world of FMB. Hello, and welcome to the 12th Supper Podcast. I am Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper Magazine. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Jordan Kizio as my guest. Jordan is the head of experience at Eden. And as head of experience at Eden, Jordan is responsible for the curation and activation of the restaurant, bar, and ancillary spaces, as well as overseeing the development of the sensory touchpoints at each new Lockie property. A creative soul at heart, Jordan spent most of his youth as a professional actor and was awarded an Emmy in 1996 for his role as Alex in The Island on Bird Street. He continued acting until he went to study communications and new media at the University of Leeds, where he discovered techno, drag queens, and a passion for food and drink. Lovely to have you on the podcast, Jordan. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I gave our audience a bit of a a glimpse to your uh, illustrious career. So uh, uh, expand on that a little bit and, and tell me how you ended up at Eden. Yeah, thanks. I mean, so so yeah, I began as I began as an actor, which, which you've mentioned already. So I, I think the real influence on me there is that I've tried to weave in some theatricality uh, into everything that I that I that I do, and a bit of performance. Um, but you know, it, it, but the road sort of ended for me with that career when you know I realised that the West End was uh, more suited to you find more work on West End restaurants and bars than you do on the West End stage, is the analogy I always use. Um, and at that time, I was working uh, for PPHE Hotel Group um, uh, on the floor as a waiter. And they really gave me such a great opportunity to grow and develop. Um, so I started working through the ranks there into restaurant management, then multi-site restaurant management, brand management. Uh, and then finally, they gave me an opportunity to develop um, some concepts for them as well, which, which was where I really got a, a, another bug and got really more, well, more, more infused and pivoted slightly into into the industry um and then ihg found me and then you know that that was then a period of of you know a crazy crazy four years there uh, which which hugely accelerated my growth i did director of lifestyle restaurants for europe initially and then in the final two years i was there i did um director of global global fmb solutions so um developing enterprise platforms for their upscale brands so that was a lot of fun, hugely creative, and that was sort of more more geared into F and B marketing, really. But it was it was such a fun four years, very intense, lots of travel. Um, but then that that came to an end during COVID, uh, and then I joined a few other IHG refugees uh, at Eden, and so that's been you know two and a half years so far, and so far so good. And, and tell me, Jordan, how is Eden um, different? Uh, we're not talking about. I think saying that Eden is 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 a non-hotel brand is 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 a big understatement in in itself. So so tell me about Eden. Um, well, I mean, I'm looking at my nails now, and I've got metallic nail polish on, and I've got uh, bleach blonde hair. So I mean, I don't know how I, it would have gone down walking the halls of IHG uh, <laughs> wearing that. So I think first first off, just being your authentic self is promoted at Eden, and you know you you are you really. You know, you really don't need to have a filter, um, which, you know, it's not for everybody. Right. I think some people like like a bit of a, 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 a you know, a work life and a personal life. Uh, you know, at Eden, we're not so much about that. We really want to, you know, 
be friends with everyone we work with and have an experience with everyone we work with. And I think, you know, with such a tight team, really, and, and you know, not to say that we don't fall out <laughs> because we do, but, you know, someone's not going to fall out with me because of the color of my nail polish, thankfully. And and tell me about Eden in terms of um, how are your properties set up and, and what sort of role does F&B uh, generally play? Because uh, when I when I did your intro, we, we, we I, I said, um, you know, we, I mentioned the ancillary spaces as well. And I think that's an important part of how Eden is set up. Yeah, I, I mean, we there is a tendency within you know, hotel F&B, when you look at a space on plan to be, you know, you look at, look at the empty spaces that you have and you say, right, this needs a cocktail bar, this needs a cafe, this needs a full service restaurant. And, and I think where a lot of hotels fall down is that they, they feel they need to program those spaces. Whereas with Lock, um, you know, our, our, our lifestyle brand, it's an, it's an apart stay. So, you know, every bedroom has a kitchen. So we don't necessarily need to offer you know, every single service period, a meal. Um, so, you know, uh, our, our, you know, our one product that you might be able to get, we always say our minimum viable product in every lock is a coffee. You know, we don't need to offer any more than that because there is the kitchen spaces. So that then has allowed us to have a look at the spaces and say, well, actually, if this isn't F&B, what could it be? So, you know, I'm coming to you live at the moment from Buckle Street Studios podcast studio. So, you know, we, we, we don't need to program with F&B. So that's where my role as head of experience, even though I've come from an F&B um, route into this role, there are so many other things that we are looking to do with our spaces. And also at Buckle Street, where I'm here now, we, we have the same quandary about what to do with this space because, you know, it's very difficult for us to, to there's no footfall really for F&B here. So it's not going to be a successful F&B outlet. So, you know, we decided to do a concept store here. So a concept store and a podcast studio. So, you know, it's 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 uh, meet the makers is what we've called the concept store, and it's it's artists that live within a kilometer kilometer radius. So we've got ceramics here, we've got artwork, we've got jewelry, um, we've got um, water flasks, we've got we've got we've got you know a real nice broad range of things. But it's a really lovely space just to just to hang out in. And and tell me, Jordan, uh, from your uh, from your career with PPHE and IHG, what what did you take that you're using right now as as head of experience? What were some of the um, I guess uh, some of the um, commonalities uh, with with your role now versus what you what you did before? Yeah, I, I think you know hotel F and B needs to work a lot 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 harder than any other F and B, right? It's really you know the odds are really stacked against anyone operating F&B within a hotel just by virtue of being in a hotel space. So, you know, in order to fight that, you've got to have, you've got to really over-index on the, on, on the, the, the branding, on the marketing, on the story, on the narrative. It's just got to be super turbo beyond what you do in the high street. Um, now, you know, we, we, we outsource all of our F&B. So in order for me to find tenants, you know, we, we have to find, you know, we work with tenants at the moment that, that want to do quite a light touch branding. And, and we found that actually, you know, they're not, they're not quite hit where they hoped they were going to hit. And we've had to then work with them to then over index on bringing out some of those, some of those narrative touch points, bringing out that story, you know, amplifying the branding. Because it just, it, you know, it just needs to have, uh, you know, a stronger, a stronger identity. So, you know, anything that bleeds into the public space, you know, in that that dreaded kind of all day dining 
um, scenario is just it's not even going to wash its face. So you know, it's the it's the importance of such such a strong branding outside of the hotel presence is also really key. And, and also, it, 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 these need to be viable businesses in their own right, right? And I think it's it's not, you know, you can't. It, it, we're not, we, you know, when we when we pitch ourselves to get a pitch from tenants to work with us, we always have the same conversations about, you know, oh, how many keys have you got? What's your sleeper diner ratio? And and I have to cut those conversations quite short because this this restaurant or bar or whatever we call it has got to be a business, a business, a viable business in its own right. You can't rely on on hotel guests to come down and eat with you. Um, and then also, you know, if it's a hotel restaurant, you're going to be sat next to someone in the pajamas and slippers that's just come down from the room, which isn't right. <laughs> isn't, a great, isn't a great experience. And you know, that was we did find that when I was working at PPHE. I mean, we had a fantastic restaurant there, but you often you get people on a Saturday night dressed in their fine clothes, and then you've got someone next to them, you know, dressing gown. So, so that's something you don't necessarily find in a lot, thankfully. And 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 tell me, Jordan, you touched upon the you know uh, third party operators or outside um, uh, brands and operators. Uh, tell me a bit more about how you find them uh, now that you're also going you know um, outside the outside the UK. Uh, how do you how do you source the the new and up and coming uh, contacts? Uh, you know, someone would, would work really well for a, for a concept uh, with with Loki. How how do you how do you find um, that, that talent? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's sometimes, some cities are easier than others. I'm not going to lie. And especially, you know, in the kind of macroeconomic climate we are currently, lots of people aren't necessarily willing to take, take risks. Um, but generally our search begins with, with restaurateurs that, that may, maybe just have one really successful outlet. Um, and, and, they, and they might, they might be wanting to grow. They might be looking for a second site. But but haven't quite got the investment, or haven't quite got um, you know the nerve at the moment to do it. So we're looking for those kind of people to basically they work with to incubate their concept in in our in our new properties, and, and you know take some of the pressure off of of that investment from them, just so they so they can grow. Um, you know it, it's really important for us to make sure we don't replicate restaurants specifically. So. You know, we'll find a brand, we'll find a restaurant that we really, really love, but we then need to take what's what's take some elements of that and then kind of put it through a bit of a lock, a lock sieve and, and make sure it's on brand. So we work very closely with with the tenants to make sure that it that it kind of can bend and flex to sit inside a lock hotel. So we wouldn't just lift the concept and bang it in a lock. It, it needs to be it needs to be molded just so it's so it works for us. Um, but I think importantly, you know, with any tenant that we work with, we always do a vibe check. So, you know, there's got, you know, we, we, we say that, you know, we won't do business with anybody that we can't socialize with. And I think, you know, it's never more important than in an F&B scenario. So, you know, if you can't go out for a meal with this person, get on with them, break bread with them, have a good time, then, then the relationship's not going to, not going to work because we've got to go through so many ups and downs. In, as we build these properties and as we go to open them, and if we can't have tough conversations, we just won't be able to to work with them. So they, they've got to really understand and see the industry in, in, in the same way we do. Um, you know, and it's not always plain sailing, right? We do, we you know, we do get it wrong a few times, and we do have to pivot with some operators and change concepts, and and and, and you know, we we don't 
hit the ground as as well as we'd hoped and ramp as well as we'd hoped. But but it's about having a good relationship and a strong enough relationship that we can have that conversation to say when it's not quite going well. But yeah, don't do business with someone you won't socialize with. This is my, my key advice. That's the key takeaway. Yeah. Key takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan, you mentioned a, a, a really uh, interesting point that, you know, putting things through the lock sieve, as you said. Um, what if something gets stuck there? Talk to me about, you know, potentially over-programming because I know we, we, we have talked about it um, uh, before in, on, a, on, a, on another industry panel. And I think that's a really important point because a lot of the times uh, we want to put a lot of things uh, to, to engage, you know, the empty spaces, but it might not always be the right solution. Yeah, look, you know, we we do a lot of we do a lot of research before we put something in, right? So we don't just, you know, it, it's flippant of me to say we look at a plan and say, okay, you put a cocktail bar here, you put a coffee shop here. You know, we do do we do do research on the micro location and, and really in depth market research about what is currently there. But often, you know, you're 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 conceptualizing something twenty four months away from opening, so a lot may happen in the street where you're opening in the neighborhood that you're opening that you can't forecast so you know we might decide to put a coffee shop somewhere and then you know when we by the time we've opened there's then you know a couple of third wave coffee shops next door so then we realize actually the coffee shop that we programmed is is redundant um additionally you know we have issues in some of our buildings where we've got maybe but maybe too many operators so too too many outlets too many operators you know back of house space is then compromised so you know, we have a tendency to want to throw the kitchen sink at everything, but I think it's taking a step back and understanding that actually, you know, what what will the guest in this micro location actually need? And I think we we do we do often have to just keep coming back to that initial piece of research that we did on that on that neighbourhood, just to remind ourselves because you know we start to freak out sometimes and be like, oh God, you know, we've not got. We've not got dinner in this restaurant, it's in this hotel, but we're like, well, actually, you know, we look at where we are. We, we don't necessarily need it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's holding our nerve. And I, and I think, you know, interestingly, I was having a, just a conversation with our colleagues today about about breakfast and, and how what, what, what breakfast means to us. And actually, we're in such a fortunate position, as I said at the top of this conversation, that, you know, we don't necessarily need to, to have every meal period covered in our buildings you know what's 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 the fallout going to be if we don't have something for breakfast um you know so long as we have some provision where people can cook it in their rooms or grab something then you know we should be fine and i think we as I say we just need to hold our nerve with some of this and tell me jordan what is what is keeping you busy right now uh what are the what are the what are the developments you can you can tell us about what's what's coming up with uh, with eden now, I, I, obviously, I knew you were going to ask me this, but the last time you asked me this, it wasn't being recorded. So I don't know how much I can tell you. So, so I, I can tell you, I will tell you. So uh, in, we're opening Berlin uh, in March next year, and we are doing a really cool concept there. And, and that's a really good, a good example, actually, of a very tiny kitchen space. We can't really do much food. Um, but it's in the East Side Gallery, so it's right on the River Spree. So it's a fantastic location facing facing Kreuzberg. So we thought, well, let's do something more uh, more in the vein of music. It's Berlin, after all. So we're working with two cool two two cool DJs. I mean, I sound Jesus, I sound old saying that two cool DJs. But we're working with two, <laughs> working with two DJs uh, in Berlin, uh, and we're doing an audiophile listening bar. So you, so it's really high quality hi fi uh, with you know really great great cocktails very small lists some natural wine 
a couple of small plates, uh, predominantly cold. So you can just go and be really enriched by the music. And I think, you know, there's a couple of people doing audiophile stuff well. Um, and and it's such a it's such a great experience because you can you can talk. It's it's not overly loud, but it's such a rich sound. So we're investing in the in in the hi-fi equipment and and the F and V would just be a nice a nice layer of, of very, very small curated bits just to just to complement the music really. Um and then the next opening we're doing is Kensington. Um, we did we did you know qu quite a bit of research on Kensington actually because the, the 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 predominant locations that we have in London are are east. So you know Lock has really grown up in East London. So how does a lock in Kensington look? So so we did actually do quite a bit of research and we used you know a trend forecaster uh, called Philippa Wagner who really helped us out on this. And what we uncovered with with the with the study in Kensington is that wellness is really really such such a strong trend within that area. So you know we we had to we we will be sort of over indexing on 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 pockets of wellness within the Kensington property. So as an example, it's got a huge huge garden at the back of it, which is which we're going to create this some sort of garden oasis. Um, and you know we're, we're, we'd like to think it's going to be a bit of a festival sort of post-festival chill out zone so we've got some teepees in there and some 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 standalone uh, siloed furniture so you can have your it's quite an intimate intimate sort of chill out in the garden uh, and then we're just going to go with a cozy cocktail vibe uh, with a with an artisan grocery as well because i think that that's another thing that came out of the research that you know, it, it, it's getting getting things getting things for the community specifically is is what's going to bring people through the door there. Because again, we are suffering a little bit with with lack of footfall there. But I think the beauty of all of our locks is that we don't go we don't go into A one locations, but you know we start to if we pop it up, then hopefully they'll come. And actually, that leads very nicely to my next question that I want to just um, spend a bit more time on is the concept of local pride, because um, we, we talked about it um, uh, before a little bit. But I, I think this is an, a really important one. It is as much relating to the concept itself as to the guests that you want to attract. Right. Because um, uh, tell me a little bit about current existing um, uh, locked properties of how much you're attracting uh, the passerby or the guest who, or, or the, sorry, the local who lives in the area versus the, the people um, up in the rooms? Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's our number one uh, hallmark. So we have a number of hallmarks that exist in all of our F&B properties. And, and that, that kind of works as a bit of a checklist for, for me and my team when we go and find our tenants. And local pride is the absolute number one thing that we need to look for. Um, and, and it's never been more apparent than when we've gone into new territories for the first time. So as an example, going into Germany, uh, going into our two properties that we've got in Munich, we're working with an operator called, called Mural. Now, you know, they're, they're very well known in, in, in Munich. They've got a Michelin star at their restaurant, Mural restaurant. But they, they taught us so much about what the consumer in that in that part of town is going to need and going to want and, and initially they gave us so much credibility because we partnered with them going into that into that that neighborhood so whereas nobody know nobody knew lock hotels people knew mural restaurants so you know we've immediately tapped in to the local fabric and the local community and they and they really you know they, they really tell us you know everything that we need to know about about what that local customer you know is wanting 
so that 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 that's that's one example of where you know where where the local element has really helped us um, and that's why we we aim to we endeavor to do that in a, in every location we do and and i think but the fact that the the brand grew up in london as well if we took operators that that are from london and put them put them into a new area where we weren't known you know i think we've we've immediately sort of alienated who's going to be our potential guest and we've got to work a little bit harder to get them on side and you know, it's not to say that we won't we won't take a london concept to another region i think we are going to do that um, in Lisbon, actually, I will divulge that. I won't tell you who, um, but but we are going. We are counter. We are countering that by having a really strong secondary, uh, primary concept rather. So the London concept will be secondary, whereas the primary concept will be a um, quite a well-known Portuguese chef. So in the background, we can give a bit of bit of our history and a bit of a bit of where lot came from by giving them the nightlife concept from London. But first and foremost. We have to lead with, you know, something that is local to really, you know, bring in that local community. And that's why each one's unique, because if we did create concepts off the shelf and then threw them all around Europe, then, you know, it, it, we are then just doing what every other you know, global brand is doing in that situation. And Jordan, tell me, where, where do you get your inspiration from? Because you, you told us so many uh, things that need to go into this recipe so that it comes out, uh, you know, the way it's 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 supposed to or the, what the expectation is. So you need to obviously, uh, you know, have a lot of knowledge and a lot of uh, experience yourself that you can bring them back and, and say, you know, this would work. This could be really cool. Why don't we think about that? Where where, where do you get all, all of your ideas from? I, I, I mean, I travel a lot with with the job. Um, so, you know, you, I am exposed to different cities, um, you know, but different big cities. We, we only really look we are only really looking um, in, in gateway cities. So we get that's why I'm fortunate to see how each city is coping with trend. And I think London, live, I live in London as well. And I think that is, you know, arguably the most on trend city for F&B as it stands currently. But I think the main area that we draw inspiration from is is the the work that we do when we unpick a neighbourhood. So you know, although it's not you know it, you know we did this a lot at IHG right when we're doing a concept we stomped the we stomped the streets and we looked at what was going on and we we drew inspiration there. But but what we've sort of amplified here is is our is a, our news process. So you know uh, our team. Uh, uh, wonderful uh, lady on my team, Kelly, she creates our muse process. Uh, and basically that is unpicking all of the people in that neighborhood that make that neighborhood tick. So that could be a DJ, an artist, a chef, a ceramicist, a yoga teacher, a breathwork practitioner, you know, fashion designer, whoever. And they go into this document that we create, which is the muse. And that, and that then goes to influence every decision we make in that property. So that will imp- impact who we program to, to run the F&B, uh, which DJ we choose to do the soundscaping, which artists we have in residence on the walls. So that that is why each lock is completely individual and completely unique because it's in, each in a completely different city and, and, and part of the city and part of the neighbourhood. So, that, so that's really where we draw inspiration from. I also eat out a lot and I drink a lot. So that is... <laughs> I mean, when I, say, when I say I drink a lot, I don't mean that to sound like I did. I, I go out for drinks a lot. 
That sounds even worse, doesn't it? <laughs> just keep digging. Just keep digging, just Jordan. Keep, <laughs> I just keep digging. Yeah. Um, last last question for you as we're drawing this uh, discuss- discussion to a close. Uh, your title, Head of Experience, uh, did you come up with this or was this something <laughs> that, that came from Eden? Well, um, I mean, I, 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 did it come from me? Yes, I think it did. Uh, and and um, I was originally, I was head of restaurants and bars when I started at Eden. And then it's, we started having a few conversations with different operators when we were asking them to do something completely unrelated to restaurants and bars. So they were quite confused. So I think the first conversation I was having with my first couple of months, I was talking about turning the basement of Whitworth Lock in Manchester into a tattoo studio and, a, and, a, and an alternative beauty salon, which incidentally has just opened. So go and check it out if you need a tattoo in Manchester. Um, so I was like, well, okay, I'm really dealing with experience, uh, you know, the whole experience of the properties here rather than just restaurants and bars. So we, so we sort of pivoted it. And then since then, you know, obviously we, we had a, a period of, of massive growth over the last couple of years and we've opened loads of things that aren't restaurants and bars so we're just in Cambridge we're just opening another salon uh, at the moment and obviously we've got a podcast studio here um, you know and, and obviously wellness is a big component of what we do um, which also we need to program so yes so hence why it's all encompassing now within experience. Well, great. Thank you, Jordan, for taking me through the Eden experience and, and how, <laughs> how you craft all these wonderful uh, places and, and the new openings. And thank you for sharing uh, your, your ideas with us and, and, and our audience. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Supper Podcast, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B 